from the Impact Hub in the Pioneer Square neighborhood in downtown Seattle. This is Four Finger Shotguns for April 18th, 2018. I walk through the under-construction Cascade Arcology on my way to work some mornings, or just as a pleasant walk on the weekend. Now, I grew up reading William Gibson novels and playing SimCity 2000, and their depictions of Arcologies were futuristic skyscrapers. The Arco sprawl of South Lake Union is wide, not tall, and home to 10,000 souls, Amazon's world headquarters, Mohai, and the Allen Institutes for Brain Science and Artificial Intelligence. That's Arcology enough for me. My cyberpunk daydreams always featured brightly lit future metroplexes, their peaks obscured by clouds and blade runnered by acid drizzle. In 2018, our corporate overlords conspire and compete with city planners straightjacketed by outdated zoning restrictions that enforce sprawl and make sure everyone keeps their view of the Space Needle. Housing affordability and livability laws succeed at upsetting everyone and failing at housing the masses that businesses rely on to buy their cheap plastic containers for their artisanal bespoke wares. At least the tent and sleeping bag manufacturers are doing well, as anyone can tell by the state of our sidewalks and highway underpasses. Though the ravings of madmen are delivered in real time to our mobile devices, so are the hopes and dreams of our youth. The hope in our hearts that we will someday solve these problems has not dimmed, hashtagged and live-streamed and sanguine and defiant. I'm Johnny Wilder, and in the studio with me is Jessica Burns. She's a Master of Engineering and Technology Management from Wazoo. She went on to crunch numbers for Boeing on their fighter jet and space systems, and in 2015, she threw it all away and retrained in software development, which got her a coding seat at Amazon on the Kindle User Experience team. In her copious amounts of spare time, she's a mom and helps companies increase employee diversity and is founding amuse-me.co. I can't believe how lucky we are that she agreed to sit down with us and share some stories from her journey. Welcome, Jessica. Hello, Johnny. It's so good to be here today with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so, I'm so this is the second time we've done this <laughs> because, because I am a terrible recording engineer. And uh, so you're incredibly charming oh, and, okay. and did this wonderful introduction uh, that involved hamburger metaphors <laughs> and <laughs> that uh, we talked a little bit about how we met at uh, the most recent Here's Seattle gathering. Yeah, that was a that was actually a really great um, uh, gathering because it was actually a, a departure because normally they meet here at Impact Hub, mm-hmm. but that was the first time that they were in the heart of the mothership, yes. you know, in South Lake Union at Amazon. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty close to work. I can make this happen. I'm uh, a shy, incredibly shy person, and, and that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for Here Seattle because uh, these four guys, they, they set up an environment where uh, – where they, uh, as as your hamburger metaphor aptly pointed out, that that uh, they they set up an environment that makes it easy for people to reach out and touch each other, and uh, so I, uh, Andre said, hey, go over here and and uh, talk to this woman. She's really super cool. You're gonna oh. totally enjoy a conversation with her. Thanks, and, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Andre. And uh, and I did, and and I reached out, and you were. Uh, very welcoming. You were super busy. Uh, you had a thing you were working on. Well, yeah, there's a, there, at Amazon, there's always something you're working on. And <laughs> they, 
they uh, really, we really do work hard. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So let's just uh, touch on that a little bit. Amazon gets a, a bad rap as, as being a company that, that works people. There's very high pressure. Uh, they, have, uh, they have a lot to show for it as well. That's very true. There is very much a long game approach. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's up to each individual to, you know, kind of set your own boundaries. I mean, I know that in my early days at Boeing, I didn't set very good boundaries. And, you know, like there were some nights where I would like literally just stay at the office overnight. And then I'd see my coworkers as they were coming in in the morning. And so I didn't set very good boundaries. As I've gotten older, I've learned to push back more, you know, like even getting to uh, work remotely for three years for for the company uh, while I was living in Virginia. And I'm not going to say that it's 100% on the individual because you do work in an ecosystem with other people. But a lot depends on, your A, your willingness to push back and B, your coworkers and your management. Your management team uh, really needs to be on board with you know having a flexible work-life uh, balance. Otherwise, it's incredibly hard to achieve. How you got to Amazon, I think, is really interesting. So you used to make spaceships and fighter jets. <laughs> I, it's very funny because my career through Boeing had very little to do with anything with wings. I worked on a lot of proprietary programs, a lot of stuff that we're not really known for. And uh, that was most of my career. So basically, you know, I was always really excited whenever it was like, oh, my gosh, there's a a plane involved. Oh, my gosh, there's something physical involved. That's amazing. So that was always really exciting is when you could actually go down and touch the product. But uh, most of my career was basically just blazing new trails, you know, through paths unknown to try to capture business that we are not normally known for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Boeing's a big company. Oh, it's a huge company. Yeah, yeah. worldwide, many tendrils. Yeah. Big little company because then you still I still find run into people who like know my parents. Oh stuff. wow, that's super cool. <laughs> I uh, I went to Purdue University to uh, to, to uh, study computer science. They that's taught awesome. us Fortran. Uh, was Fortran was the big language, and we used these uh, you know dumb terminals that were hooked up to oh yeah, yeah. to uh, to their thing, and uh, so this was all pre Java, and which is what, what they yeah. teach people now. <laughs> yep, uh, <laughs> mother's milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I flunked out almost immediately <laughs> because I'm not all that smart. But in my in my defense. Uh, they they had very high standards for incoming computer science majors. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I actually had wanted to be a computer science major when I was in uh, going through undergrad at Seattle University. Um, this is back in you know the Stone Age, early mm-hmm. aughts, and yeah. um, I actually had completed a year of uh, of college in high school, and so. I kind of came as a sophomore, even though I was 18 years old. And so uh, I had a year under my belt and that was in the humanities. And I was like, okay, well now I'm going to go ahead and double major in computer science and humanities. Took my first trig class, got a D and (laughs) figured, you know what? Uh, Humanities it is because I don't want to be a poor college kid for, you know, the rest of my days. I want to get the hell out of here and I want to start making some money and, you know, living my life because I like to travel. I can totally relate to that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I 
I actually like just blazed through there, got out, and immediately you know got got into Smith Barney and was immediately disillusioned by what you know it is to be a broker. I thought you would be actually like analyzing your own stuff. No, you're just a salesman. So, uh, so you uh, uh, went to work for Boeing. Uh, what decided you want to make cool stuff, and and it's uh, it back to trig. Uh, and and <laughs> I was really worried because I was like, boy, I'm maybe I'm not good at this because I remember looking my very first entry into uh, computer science was uh, picking up going to Powell Bookstore in Portland, Oregon. When I was 12 years old, I wanted to make my own 2D side scroller like Sonic the Hedgehog because that was the you know most awesome stuff I'd ever seen. And I went to their they actually have Powell Technical, which is its own block, which is amazing story. Oh, isn't story. it great? Is it, it's still there. Right? It is still there. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it, I think it's expanded actually. Oh wow. Um but they there's a book uh called Pro uh Programming Games for Beginners. And I mm. said, Oh great. I opened it up, it was a bunch of C and I looked at it and I was like, what the hell is this? And I read for a few pages. I was like, "All right, nuts to this." Closed it, and I was like, "All right, that that, that that's it, I guess." So, yeah. So sure. we actually talked uh, about your kids, yeah, and how your uh, how they feel that you're trying to push programming. Mom's trying oh, to indoctrinate us yes. into this, and uh, I feel so. I I was incredibly lucky because as a kid, my dad was an electrical engineer yeah and uh he used that to uh become a salesperson for ibm back in the 60s when ibm was the only computer seller yep and uh so he you know made a lot of money at a very young age selling computers and because he was electrical engineer he would buy kits that's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's so <laughs> cool. And buy kits to put together computers. And, and so my introduction to computer science at, I think, I was six, sixth, seventh grade, was you know having an Apple II that I could just do whatever I wanted with. So I, I was in, in, introduced at a very young age to programming, to basic and integer yeah. basic and floating point yeah. basic. And, and uh, it was life-changing for me isn't it though yeah yeah uh and so i see kids that i know your kids hate you (laughs) for doing that to them but when they're 30 i'm hoping that one day they'll kind of see because my we have similar background that my dad is actually he's um as he worked for ibm you know in the 70s uh, Mm -hmm. before i was born uh, before joining Boeing, and he actually has a PhD in computer science, and so he was my Sherpa. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid, we had, oh goodness, and oof, uh, Texas Instruments TI ninety nine four A, right, <laughs> uh, with the sliding cartridges and you know basic. And I remember my very first. Uh, exposure to programming was my dad saying hey come here take a look at this and he had hooked up you know that that console to our rabbit ears television and uh set the dial to three and uh (laughs) channel three (laughs) and uh turned it on the blue screen came up basic and then he opened up a 
book of basic and he started just referencing and typing stuff and he eventually built what would become a slot machine and it made all sorts of noises and it flashed and there were all kinds of colors and it went beep boop beep beep if yeah. you won and i was blown away i was like oh my god dad just magic something out of nothing there was nothing on the screen literally before it was just blue and now they're spinning bells and hearts and cherries oh my gosh and plus you know he liked to play a game called tombstone city and I, it I, was I, yeah i hear remember <laughs> i was oh. like eight years old and this came out and i was just like absolutely you know blown away that he could do this yeah. and it you know, it wasn't until like I was in, you know, middle school, high school, and I started BBSing and, you know, stuff like that, that it was the one place I truly felt free. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I felt like I could do anything, literally anything. It was like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. So you went to Hackbright? Yeah. That and, was crazy. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Can you? Yeah, it was so nuts. I actually um, was living in St. Louis, Missouri at the time and uh, didn't really know where I wanted to kind of go, uh, you know, from there. And so I decided that I would uh, apply to Hackbright. I, you know, took their coding challenge. In fact, I went into a, a bookshop in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh went down into their basement and found their programming section. I found an old basic book and it brought back that nostalgia. And then I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. And so I looked at their coding challenge and I, you know, solved it. And, uh, it was weird. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know where I was going to live. I just, a friend of a friend of a friend shared my GoFundMe uh, with some random person who said, hey, you can stay at my house. And I, you know, flew out there never having met this person and, you know, just ended up living at their house for three months while they went shark diving with like, you know, their boyfriend, you know, and like going to Iceland and all this crazy mess. Like it was absolutely nuts. But it was also uh, a grind because it was about two hours away from school. So I had to commute four hours round trip uh, every day to get to class. And uh, that was that was hard. But I mean, you know what? That is probably one of the most incredible, pivotal nuts things I've ever done in my life, especially academically, like even more so than my master's degree, that was the hardest thing. I mean, they literally sat us down the very first day and said, look to the left of you and look to the right of you. You are going to see both of those people cry. And it's true. They saw me cry a lot. They're not kidding about the whole boot camp No, exactly. There were some nights I never, I didn't leave. I just stayed and slept on the floor. They say, all right, cleaning crew comes at 3 o'clock a.m. Just be sure to move out of their way, you know, while they're mopping or whatever. And we'll see you in the morning. Yeah, and it was the weirdest setup because they were set built, built over a nightclub. So, you know, at closing time, you'd hear all the crazy fights going on outside. <laughs> you're like, shut the window. Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to code here. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get my app out the door. <laughs> For people who aren't tech people, that's the kind of thing. That's that's life in the in the tech lane. That's uh, it is. It's very much a f- hold on. Here we go. <laughs> White knuckle it all night. Uh, all yeah. night coding sections. Yep. All night Dungeons and Dragons sessions. Yeah. It's it's all about staying up all night and working hard and and oh, absolutely having something to show for it at the end. That's life changing, world changing. Yeah, that's how I had to hustle on my on my own company on Amuse Me. Um, 
uh, co was that, you know, once the kids were in bed, I had to stay up and get back on and figure out why it's broken. What do I need to do to fix this? You know, how can I reinforce this? You know, but started off with, you know, okay, I don't know this library very well, but if I spend enough time on it, I can get good enough at it that I can go ahead and kind of anticipate what's needed. Welcome to Russian Bot Factory, where robot work you. Nazmicha odin dlia roskogo yazika. Please press dva for English. Thank you for your interest in Troll Farm. All bots are currently fooling other Americans. If you know the extension of the bot you're trying to reach, please enter now. Your vote is very important to us. Please stay online. Our next available fake news bot will assist you in order of your call. To pay respects to President Putin personally, raise plus null at any time. We're currently experiencing very high American gullibility. Old times may be longer than usual. Thank you for patience. My theme for this podcast, if I do have a theme, which I, you know, you can probably tell I don't have much of a theme, but if I were to have a theme, it would be that technology isn't what's ruining everything. Correct. It's just a tool. It's just a tool. It's how we use technology that's ruining everything. Well, it amplifies what's deep within us, what makes us human. And really it's not the animals, the human within us that separates us. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, that that's just what it's been since the dawn of time. Right. And so, and, and I think ultimately the answer is always going to come to how hard do we want to work to build the kind of world that we want to live in. It's going to take a tremendous consorted effort to achieve that, mm-hmm. to basically create uh, a, an inclusive environment. I think I kind of told you the difference between, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion. So, oh, right. Yeah, diversity is basically, you know, imagine that you're at a, um, a, a happening nightclub mm-hmm. and uh, you walk up to to the velvet rope mm-hmm. and the bouncer kind of looks you up and down and says okay nods removes the rope you walk in that's diversity inclusion is actually being asked to dance mm-hmm. and so that takes a lot 
more than mm-hmm. just lowering the velvet rope. Yeah. That takes a concerted effort. And it's not like we don't know the value of diverse of, right. uh, inclusion in and diversity in the workplace. The question is how much of an effort do we want to make? Because there are a lot of people who've posted lots and lots of uh, uh, articles on Medium who have, uh, you know, blogged about this. You know, there's even a book, Brotopia, um, mm-hmm. which covers this topic extensively in, uh, with a specific eye on Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know it's good. F- we know that it improves the outcomes of organizations. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of the questions don't circle back to, you know, like, what's your data? It's why do I care? Right. And if we don't, if we fundamentally don't, then we won't. Right. Uh, some friends who they work on, uh, they work on trying to get uh, paid internships for kids. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and businesses are like, why, why should I pay people to come to, to, you know, to do an internships? I don't have to pay this set of kids to do an internship they'll do it for free and it's because they come from wealthier families yep. and they can they can afford to do it for free yeah. uh whereas these other kids can't and you see at, that model changing though i mean like oh, over good. time i mean like at least from when i was you know in college uh-huh. and such the number of paid internships uh-huh. has increased good. Uh, by by significant amount right uh so thankfully Thankfully, people are realizing, recognizing uh, that this is that people's time or value, you know, kind right. of going back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Pam. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I think that uh, w- we see businesses willing to make willing to actually recruit. Right. Mm-hmm. That they, they will recruit somebody that went to Harvard. Yes. They will recruit somebody that is, you know, son of a congressman or whatever. They will they will recruit people that they want to come work for them. Right. Culture fit. Culture fit. Right. They'll <laughs> right. go out of their way to do this. <laughs> yes. If if they really believe that diversity is going to help their business, then they need to recruit. They need to spend energy. They need to to apply effort to make that happen as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, the story of tech. You know, you have the same, you know, uh, major companies uh, camping the spawn outside of, you know, the graduation halls of a UW or of a, you know, Stanford or of a Princeton. And, you know, they're basically trying to uh, wine and dine these, you know, CSE grads. And they're clearly not going to be churning out as many CS uh, CS grads uh as there are jobs to fill and you know they're basically kind of doing that and on the other end they're also poaching from those same six companies so i mean there's kind of this cannibalistic element to the entire recruiting process that's kind of you know this expensive race to the bottom when there is an entire pool of people who are perfectly um, good and willing, uh, should you, you know, actually train them, right. you know, should you yeah. actually, yeah. you know, they have the grit, the intelligence, mm. um, they can certainly get things to happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, there, there really needs to be a conversation with, uh, 
HR departments um, all across tech about hey where do you where do your values truly lie where are you truly putting your money because if you show me where your money is I'll show you what you value right and and nothing breaks my heart more than seeing than seeing people in tech seeing people in tech be risk averse uh, because my experience with tech yeah. is I'm an Apple user and, and, and I, you know, I idolize Steve Jobs because his, his vision was let's do the crazy thing. It's better to be a pirate than, than, than to, to join, the, join Navy. the Navy. Let's do the risky thing and fail because that's a, the worthier thing. You know, when I see corporations say this is a safe bet. Right. Let's do it's well, there is a cost to being risk averse as well. I mean, like you said, there's the higher recruiting costs. Oh, you would know this because yeah, you're, you're a statistics expert. <laughs> you're you yeah. do the math. You did the math. Absolutely. There are a lot of carrying costs that come with, you know, being risk averse. Uh-huh. Uh, so really, it's striking that value that balance between not being foolhardy i mean certainly you don't want to say i'm going to blindly run off this cliff at 80 miles an hour that (laughs) sounds like a good idea no i mean there is always a happy medium a lot of people Mm. just create these false binaries Mm. in their minds you know you're either with us or you're against no there's actually a lot of gray area in between you know humanity exists on a scales and so you know automatically locking yourself into this or this right. is self damning. Yeah. Uh, Jessica. Yes. I remember I said that I only wanted to do a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I I blew through that. I know it's an hour so ago. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, I uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see if this can be a two parter because I because no th- there's not a thing that you said that wasn't amazing. Uh, I. I enjoyed our conversation uh, here in Seattle. Oh, so and, did I. Uh, and this one has been even better, uh, <laughs> just mostly because because uh, we're recording. So I'm I'm real. I'm thank you. Of course, so I'm much. so glad to be here. I mean, certainly, the, you know, it's really kind of hard to walk into a room full of engineers and be the only black female there time and time again Mm -hmm. and you know i want to show others you know again you take a seat at that table i know that there's there are a lot of obstacles you know uh financially time constraint wise Mm -hmm. especially you know i'm a i'm a solo uh parent to three kids Mm -hmm. and so i'm really grateful to have a wonderful uh, support system behind me but i know not everybody has that and so finding solutions such that other you know uh black single moms can you know say, see see themselves at the table you know is very important to me um seeing my daughter say hey you know what i belong here mm-hmm. not because someone invited me but because i took a seat mm-hmm. that's very important to me you know the s- sky should be the limit just like when my dad and i sat down and uh you know he showed me what this you know Texas Instruments device could do. Basically, the only thing that limited limited him was his time and his imagination. That's it. That's it.
thank you to Jessica Burns for making the time to visit with us. You can learn more about the scrappy Seattle startup she works for at Amazon.com and also amuse-me.co. Just a reminder, Unite One is playing at the Sunset Tavern this Friday night, April 20th with Whitney Manger. I have it on good authority that her live show is not to be missed. More information at sunsettavern.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and family and rate us highly if you think we deserve it and click any like, love, or wasn't too terrible buttons. That's the currency that helps us reach more listeners. It makes it possible for us to grow our business. There are other ways you can show your support, though. You can sponsor this production financially through our Patreon campaign. Sponsors get access to shorter highlights version of the podcast and outtakes reel from each episode. Go on and enjoy your day. Thanks so much for listening. Zip bang. Wow. This has been a Zip Bang Wow production.